0: The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon,
1: period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived, and in the last days neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Everybody welcome to episode 133 of the Book of Mormon podcast. It's Kevin and Shelby here. Hey everyone. And today we're going to dive right in to chapter 44 of the Book of Alma. Um obviously just a quick recap last week last chapter the Nephites and the Lamanites engaged in a great battle. And through the the faith of the Nephites, and especially the faith of their captain, Captain Moroni, they were able to defend their lands, defend their liberty, and as the battle waxed sore, they were able to uh, basically um, cause the the Lamanites to, to flee in terror, and... Captain Moroni commanded that his men stop the bloodshedding and that way they could go forth and negotiate uh, perhaps a surrender uh, and a withdrawal of the Lamanites from the land. So that's where we pick up right here in verse one.
0: I love it. So zarahemna right away, he says, we do not desire to be men of blood.
1: Uh, Moroni says that.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Zarahemna is the bad guy in this situation. Sorry, guys. This is why I have a help meet, right? Anyway, so Moroni says to Zarahemna that he does not desire to be men of blood, which is why he stops the shedding, as Kevin said. And I just love that that intent is reiterated to let us know that just because you could keep going doesn't mean that you should, right? Mm -hmm. You should try to see if there can be some negotiation good lesson, just to keep in mind. But he says, you know that you are in our hands, yet we do not desire to slay you. So he's trying to make some points here. And I like these points. And we'll later see the response to these points that Moroni makes. But he basically is saying that, you know, you've come to battle against us for power. Like that's your intent, which we talked a lot about last week on the podcast, right? And We have come against you because you've been angry with us about our religion, but we're just trying to defend basically the way that we're living and we want to continue to live freely. And so that's why we're fighting. And so he basically says it in the end of verse three, and now you see that you cannot destroy this, our faith. And I thought that was so powerful to point out all these things and to then say that you can't destroy our faith. Even if you kill us, you're not destroying our faith. So any thoughts there, Kevin?
1: Well, and Moroni takes the opportunity to to teach Zarahemna, uh, I would say, and also to testify to him. In verse four, he says, yea, ye see that God will support and keep and preserve us so long as we are faithful unto him and unto our faith and unto our religion. And never will the Lord suffer that we shall be destroyed except we should fall into transgression and deny our faith. This is that thread that you can pull all throughout the Book of Mormon. It goes right back to the beginning where Lehi teaches his sons inasmuch as you keep the commandments, you will prosper in the land. Inasmuch as you do not keep the commandments, you shall be cut off. Right.
0: And this is especially powerful to the men who are fighting, who once knew exactly what Moroni is saying.
1: That's a very, right? very good insight. So
0: Moroni is standing there telling the people who once knew that, that that what Kevin just said, that they would be cut off from the land. They don't believe it, right? But now they're standing there and they are in captivity. They are in his hands. So you think – a. Like little bell might go off like, oh, my gosh, wait, I do remember that. But they're so blinded by the anger and the hatred and the power that I don't think they can see it necessarily yet. It almost has to get even to a lower rock bottom, per se. Right. But, yeah.
1: Well, moving on to verse 5, Moroni commands Zarahemna in the name of that all-powerful God who has strengthened our arms that we have gained power over you by our faith, by our religion, and by our rites of worship, and by our church, and by the sacred support which we owe to our wives and our children, by that liberty which binds us to our lands and to our country, yea, and also by the maintenance of the sacred word of God, to which we owe all our happiness and by which and by all that is most dear unto us and he breaks there he goes on but you some of these things are just incredibly profound from moroni he says by the sacred support which we owe to our wives and our children you know um these these men who have gone to battle they, their families, they've, they've left them for a time, and they're, you know, they're supported by their families back home uh, as, they, as they take up this responsibility. And so Moroni, he, he recognizes their support and their sacrifice at this time as well. He also talks about that liberty which binds them to their lands and their country.
0: Can I say something really? Yeah. <clears throat> it, just before we keep going, because this was at the beginning of the verse when he says, in the name of that all-powerful God. It reminded me a lot of Joseph Smith when he was in captivity. Um I forgot where, but he was with a bunch of his other brethren, and they were basically uh, talking about how they use the Mormons for target practice. And Joseph Smith, this was back when they were trying to kill us, and he said, Silence ye ye fiends of the internal pit in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke you and command you to be still. And I just had this flashback as I was reading in Alma 44 when he says, in the name of that all-powerful God who has strengthened us. Like he he understood the power that comes when you have God on your side in Christ. And I just I just wanted to make that connection with Joseph Smith because he was the prophet of the restoration. He also understood the power of commanding in God's name, right? Or in his son's name, because they are one. So it just I don't know before we kept going on about the verses and you have beautiful insights. I just wanted to share that it's a powerful thing when we, when we have him on our side and when he's supporting us.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I appreciate that. It, it really connects here when he talks about the Liberty, which binds them to their, their lands and their country. You know, their their religious freedom, their ability to choose the Lord has has strengthened them. And it's it's not that they're a part of some crazy religious cult mm-hmm. where everyone just has to do what you know the the top person says. You know, the Nephites have chosen. I mean, you go all the way back to when Nephi uh, departs and separates from his brethren. He says that he brings, you know, this person and, and this family and, and his wives and so on and so forth. Not his wives, his his uh, his brother and their wives. Um, and then it also says, whosoever would go with him, right? So the Nephites are are. Part of their heritage is that they've chosen to follow the Lord and the Lord's servants. Mm -hmm. And that's that's our heritage as well. uh, As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, those who chose to follow the prophet um, and and follow the Lord as he guided them to a promised land, to other lands. To places where they could, uh, e- yes, exercise their religious freedom and their liberty, and so uh, it's not a it's not an option to lose that for Moroni and his and his men. So he
0: understands but, the importance of it.
1: And we talked about that all last week. Please, if you have not listened to last week's episode, uh, I don't boast of myself. I do boast of Shelby, and I boast <laughs> of my God. Last week's episode was phenomenal. You really need to, if you're listening to this one and you want to listen to this one, you, you need to listen to that one as well.
0: So as we continue, Moroni then commands that they deliver Zerahemn and his army. They deliver up the weapons of war unto him and that they will not seek their blood anymore. And that they will, the meaning Moroni will spare their lives if, they no longer come back against them in war.
1: And these are the conditions of sparing their, their lives.
0: life. Right. And so on, and on top of that, he says, if you do not do this, behold ye are in inner hands and I will command my men that they shall fall upon you and inflict the wounds of death in your bodies. So he knows, like he's basically saying, you stop right now because you can see Right, as he's pointing out earlier, you can see you're in the hands, in our hands. So stop, make a make it basically an o so that you won't come back and hurt us or anything. But if you don't agree to that, we're gonna we're gonna continue to fight. But I'm giving you the opportunity here mm-hmm. to not die, basically. Yep. That's some serious confidence. I just have to talk about that. That is confidence and trust in God. Like knowing, I mean, there's the obvious that you can tell they're winning the battle. But to be able to say these things, that's some, that's some confidence and trust in, in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, knowing that, hey, I know that Heavenly Father is behind me on this because I know the intent that I'm fighting for. So, yeah, just really cool. But what I, I love this part and we can talk about it. I love Zarahemna's response because I feel like it's such a typical response that we even hear today, like we could come up with so many similar responses in today's world. And I'll explain what I mean by that. In verse 8, it says, It came to pass that when Zarahemna had heard these things, he came forth and delivered up his sword and scimitar and his bow into the hands of Moroni. And he said, I will, like, here are my weapons of war, but I'm not going to, like, I will not take that oath because we know that we're going to break it. And then, this isn't the part that I wanted to talk about. We'll come back, but the part that I wanted to talk about was, he basically says, like, we don't believe that it is God that has done this. Like, they just completely dismiss everything that is happening. <laughs> they can, just...
1: can we read that verse, verse 9?
0: Yeah, it says, Behold, we are not of your faith. We do not believe that it is a God that has de- that has delivered us into your hands. But we believe that it is your cunning that has preserved your sor- you from our swords. Behold, it is a breastplate and your shields that have preserved you.
1: Hmm.
0: I feel like that can apply to so many situations today of people. Like, oh, Shelby, it's not, you know, like I could say, like, oh, I felt the Spirit tell me, and that's why I was, you know, why this didn't happen or why I've been blessed this way. And someone could just say, no, it's probably just because you're you were smart or like I don't know, like justify it for some other reason. Like of my own self, not of God. So those were just some thoughts that I had. I don't know if you wanted to jump back up to verse 8, Kevin, (laughs) about all the verse basically 7 and 8 that I skipped to get to (laughs) 9. I was just so excited.
1: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because let me try to find it really quickly here in, it's actually in 4th Nephi. Okay, Okay. and there's this, I guess, this kind of formula or this process of apostasy. And I'm just scrolling here to try and find it really quick.
0: That's okay. I will say one more thing about the end of verse 9 while you're finding that. It says, Behold, it is your breastplates and your shields that have preserved you. We know that it was obviously their breastplates and their shields that preserved them too. (laughs) Like it was God and their armor and protection. So to a point, Zarahemna is right. But that's not all. There was more. Like Heavenly Father also was guiding them to be where they needed to be because Moroni was a great leader and knew what to do and how to do it and followed the spirit. So there were so many things that made that happen to even have the breastplates and the armor and the shields. So I just wanted to point that out that Zarahemna, he's right. Yeah. The breastplates and the shields are actually preserving you, but it is more than just the breastplates and the shields Mm -hmm. that I I just had to point that out too. So just very, just, it's very interesting to listen to the reasons. That Zarahemna gives here about why he won't take the oath.
1: <laughs> well, we have to remember who Zarahemna is, which, Shelby, you reminded us that these are yeah. Amalekites and and uh, Zoramites yeah. who are Nephite dissenters. Now, I'm not sure if we knew who exactly Zarahemna was in terms of his uh, ancestry. Whether he was a legit Lamanite of of Laman, or if he's also an Amalekite or a, a Zoramite, but he definitely he definitely suffers from the same spiritual uh, deficiency, which is a is a process. And and what you were talking about, Shelby, was people today who They rationalize spiritual promptings as just being, well, I, that it was probably just intuition or it was just, um, it was the logical choice at the time and, or, or you got lucky, you know, that's, that's also potential, right? And so what, and this isn't in fourth Nephi, excuse me. I always forget that it's, it's at the beginning of third Nephi in, in chapter two. And it talks about the people beginning to forget those signs and wonders which they had heard and began to be less and less astonished at a sign or a wonder from heaven. They become hard in their hearts, uh, beginning to disbelieve all which they had heard and seen. And this is really it imagining up some vain thing in their hearts. Uh, being deceived by the devil. And then it leads them away to believe that the doctrine of Christ was a fool, a foolish and a vain thing. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I wanted to, to kind of cross reference with that is that's, that's what I believe you're talking about, where people can, can effectively um, rationalize a way and justify themselves and saying, well I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that is of God. It must be something else. It must be uh that you had breastplates. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why you won. And and but now I don't want to say that I I like really respect Zeremna, but I kind of do respect that he's honest and he says that he says we're not of your faith and and we know that if we make an oath, we're just going to break it, and so um, we're not we're not going to enter into that oath. Um,
0: and you know, it's critical. We talked about the Zerahunah as a man that he was chosen to lead these people because of how intense his hatred was towards the Nephites. So. Any other leader might have maybe agreed to an oath of that, but we, but Zarahemna was not going to agree to that. Mm. But it's important that he was given the opportunity to. Sure. Because then that brings into the picture justice and mercy. Mm. You know, you were given the opportunity and now justice will be served if you don't agree. Absolutely. So anyway, um, great insights. And I love that. It's from third Nephi, you said? Chapter two. Nice. So, basically, after Zarahemna says, I'm not going to do this, Moroni gives him his sword back and says, all right, we will end the conflict. We are going to fight you, right? And they return to war, and it says, now as year are in our hands, we will spill your blood upon the ground, and you shall submit to the conditions which I have proposed.
1: Now, here's what's crazy about this, is that... You could say that, that Moroni is is too, maybe being too fanatical, right? Like you could argue, one could argue, I wouldn't argue, right? But one could argue that, you know, hey, like, can you not just let them go? I mean, sure, they're, they're not going to make this oath, but you have one, you'll get them out of the land and, and just, you know, don't engage in any more bloodshed. But again, as we've discussed at nauseam, Moroni understands the risk involved uh, that they would come back again, right? And this time they were fortunate. It's not that the Lord can't, won't, wouldn't continue to preserve them, but that's why wait for several more years and have another Lamanite army led by Zarahemona himself again. Right? Maybe that time uh, will come, and and they don't uh, they don't have have enough prepared. Maybe there were other circumstances. So he knows that it's kind of a now or never thing. And I think we can liken that a little bit to our, our lives today, is that when we when we're fighting against the enemy of righteousness. We can't, we can't let them regroup. We have to end the conflict here and now. Otherwise, we'll always have an enemy lurking, you know. So I just wanted to kind of point that out and and draw that that line there.
0: So Moroni, he Zarahemna, well, sorry, Zarahemna, he gets his sword back, and he's angry with Moroni. And so he basically is like, um, I don't like this, and I'm going to kill you. So he rushes forward to slay Moroni. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read straight from the scriptures. As he raised his sword, behold, one of Moroni's soldiers smote it, even to the earth, and it broke by the, hill, by the hilt. And he also smote Zarahemna and took off his scalp, and it fell to the earth. And Zarahemna, what you're f- withdrew from before them and into the midst of his shoulders soldiers sorry not shoulders now i don't know now making sense reading this now i understand but i just have to say for the record i read this and i just assumed that zarahemna had died right here like as he tried to slay moroni clearly it says that he withdrew and went back into the midst of his sh- soldiers but i called kevin and i was like wait a minute because I, I kept reading and in the next verse I see that like the sorry my phone fell I see um like the the name Zarahemna and he's still alive and so I call Kevin and I'm like did they not just kill Zarahemna when they smote off his scalp y'all they didn't <laughs> they just took a scalp off or whatever for whatever reason you know mm-hmm. to defend Moroni so just a little fun fact there that Zarahemna is actually very much alive
1: well yeah in verse 16 it it comes back and he says that Sarah Hemna was, was exceedingly wroth and then stirs up the remainder of the soldiers to anger. So yeah, he didn't, he wasn't killed by this. It wasn't a mortal wound. Apparently
0: he was injured. Right. right?
1: Yeah. Injured. Um, And it's possible that he was, he, I mean, he was obviously grievously wounded. Right. Right. I mean, not quite unto death that we know, but, he He was taken back and protected because he could no longer fight for himself, right? right? Um,
0: and then what's even more crazy is they take the scalp. this is why I thought he was dead, because I'm thinking they took his whole head and did this. But all they did was take his scalp from off the ground by the hair and they laid it on the point of his sword and they stretched it forth unto the rest of them. And they said, you know, even as this scalp has fallen to the earth, which is the scalp of your chief, so shall ye fall to the earth, except ye will deliver up your weapons of war and depart with a covenant of peace. Yeah. Kind of crazy.
1: Pretty crazy.
0: But mm. once again, we understand why Moroni was so like, listen, this is what's going to happen if you don't stop. Because he understood what was at stake.
1: Right. And I mean, this is, this is a time of war. I mean, there have been many deaths up to this point and so but it is it's pretty intense now at this point in verse 15 there are many when they heard these words and saw the scalp which was upon the sword they were struck with fear and many came forth and threw down their weapons of war at the feet of Moroni and entered into a covenant of peace and it says that as many as entered into a covenant they suffered to depart into the wilderness So Moroni was good for his word, which is notable or noteworthy. And then this is where Zarahemna sees this going on. He sees some of his soldiers basically surrendering and and making this oath of peace. He's angered again and he, it says he stirs up the remainder of his soldiers to anger to contend more powerfully against the Nephites. And he probably did uh, basically what he did last or last chapter, which is really fuel the hatred between the Lamanites and the Nephites. And he stirred them up to anger so that they would go again.
0: And they do go again. Yep. And in verse 18, it says their naked skins and their bare heads were exposed to the sharp swords of the Nephites. Yea, behold, they were pierced and smitten, yea, and did fall exceedingly fast before the swords of the Nephites. And they began to be swept down, even as the soldier of Moroni had prophesied. Which, I didn't realize that the soldier had prophesied that. I thought Moroni had. Hmm. You go back up to verse 12, and it says, But as he raised his sword, behold, one of Moroni's soldiers smote it, even to the earth. And took off the scalp. And then he's the one that goes into that. It wasn't Moroni. Right. Which is pretty cool to sh- to see that this is a strong group of priesthood men and leaders who are inspired. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, you know. Anyway, so I just had to make that connection there. So, yeah, they, they begin to fight again. And so they fight. And it, you have some thoughts?
1: I do. I just want to say that. That here in verse eighteen, um, well, hang on a second. Maybe I'm in verse seventeen. Shoot, I what can't remember. I just I know it's before. It's when they okay, when when the Nef- when the Lamanites, their exposed uh, heads and their naked skins. They were pierced and smitten. And that's right. That's what I was going to say. Zarahemna is kind of this symbol of Satan, who he, he was sending his men back into battle, knowing that they were not equipped to defend themselves. He knew that there were going to be so many of them uh, killed in this conflict. Now it's one thing to muster your thousands of soldiers, albeit somewhat ill-equipped, and go up against an enemy who, ooh, we actually found out that they are very prepared for war. But you know what? We're here and we're going to fight anyway. That's one thing. But to have gone through a bloody conflict and then have an opportunity to allow your your soldiers to, you know, your followers to retreat and survive, but instead you just stir them up to anger and kind of like lead them blindly to their deaths. You know, that, that tells me that Zarahemna was this tyrant. He was focused on his agenda, which was power. He wanted power. Um, He wanted to usurp the power of the Nephites. And, uh, and so that's, I just wanted to, mention that because it's obvious that that we're dealing with uh some egos here
0: all right so at this point zirahanna he's seeing that they're all about to be destroyed and he finally cries it says, cried mightily into moroni and he promised that if you know he spared their lives that they would never come to war against them and so it, Moroni, being a man of his word, mm-hmm. caused that the work of death would cease, and he takes the weapons of war from them, and they enter into a covenant of peace, and then they depart into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So this is what I was talking about earlier. You would think having your scalp cut off <laughs> your head would be enough to surrender, but they just go at it again, mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh, crap, they're right. Maybe and this was their rock bottom and that suffered them to then be like, I don't want to die. It's not worth dying. And then they don't. And they enter into a covenant of peace and they go off in the wilderness. So Moroni, like like I mentioned earlier, he was a man of his word and so did you, Kevin. Which I think is important to note that like he didn't take it back and say, well, no, you fought us, right? You had your opportunity. He still gave them that opportunity.
1: Moroni is kind of a, a type of Christ in that way yeah. right
0: forgive 70 times seven right
1: mm-hmm.
0: however long it takes
1: I guess just in conclusion for this chapter there's it it notes that the number of their dead was was not numbered because of the greatness of that number and it was exceedingly great both on the the side of the Nephites and on the side of the Lamanites. They dispose of their dead. Some are, are buried for uh, buried in the depths of the sea um, into the, the waters of Sidon. And it says the armies of the Nephites or Moroni returned and came to their houses and their lands. And thus ended the 18th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And it also says thus ended the record of Alma, which was written upon the plates of Nephi. So now as we move into, into chapter 45, this is an account. Um, I think, uh, it kind of separates it. I don't know if this was, I think I read somewhere that these two accounts are taken from different plates, Mm -hmm. one from the small plates, which are the more spiritual things of the people of Nephi that are recorded and then the large plates, which are the more, uh, like the history or the secular, uh, history of the people. And although we begin with Helaman, uh, believing the words of Alma and some prophecies and things like that, um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, I'll do my research for next week, confirm it. But I believe this is taken uh, verses, or excuse me, chapters forty-five through sixty-two, which are colloquially known as the war chapters in the Book of Mormon. I believe these are taken from the large plates. Just a fun fact. Definitely not a uh, uh, not doesn't pertain to anyone's salvation, but <laughs> just some it's just Claudia now. Yeah, yeah. I, what What are your takeaways from thus far? You know, whether it's it's chapter forty-four. Or just like the last several chapters,
0: I think what's impacted me most over the last few chapters, and you've—I think I heard you mention this on the phone to my mom, actually—is following the narrative of the story and understanding now even better who Moroni and his people were fighting brought like it brings like a whole new perspective to me because i understand these were the zoramites that were praying on the tower to god on sunday and then never coming back until next sunday Mm -hmm. you know and i understand the the am amlicites and where they came from and it just makes it so much more powerful to know that's who they were fighting and so so far in the last few chapters following that narrative has been really helpful to understanding the impact of this fighting and the wars that are happening as to the reasons as to why they got to that point too. Like I used to just look at these war chapters and be like, oh, they're fighting again. Like I never really dove into it as we've we've done the past almost three years now. So that's very powerful to understand for me. And it just gives me a lot of insight into our day right now too.
1: I'm really glad that you tied that in because the whole time that I was thinking there were a couple of thoughts. I want to say both of them if I may.
0: No, you're not allowed.
1: The first one <laughs> where you just you just said it 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 helps us it helps bring some things into perspective in our day. How many times do you hear people or or you yourself mention, you know, i I don't even know why people are fighting over in the Middle East. like, you know, we're, our lives more mm-hmm. have been very much overshadowed by the war in the middle east Mm -hmm. you know the the war in iraq and in afghanistan and so on and so forth and when you understand why these things uh, are happening why are these people at war with each other why why do they want to be at war with us like you, you start to understand things better it becomes more I don't want to say any more real because it can still be very real but you you you're a, you're a man or woman of understanding and then you can also make your uh, using your knowledge you can you can influence uh, the situation with in a democratic society uh, with your vote right? You can be informed. That's a, this is not a political podcast, so that's where I'll end that. But I want to go back to what you said, Shelby, and, and it is something that I talked to your mom about. Sometimes the Book of Mormon, when you just read it, and you're just kind of reading it for the sake of getting through chapters, because you're you're currently going through a read-through, right? And, and you get to a part whether it's in second Nephi or whether it's here in the war chapters and you're like, I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm just going to, I'm just trying to get through these chapters and, and I'll take away as much as I can. It reminds me, well, what I told your mom was that sometimes, even if you don't understand exactly what you're reading, this pertains to all scripture, really focus on how you feel when you're reading the scriptures or how you feel when you hear us discuss the scriptures because that might be more important at that moment than really understanding the narrative or things like that and the reason that I say that is and I just want to share in, in closing the uh, my experience with the missionaries when they taught me the lessons way back in the day I remember I had been meeting with with these two elders for a couple weeks, and they asked me Kevin why do you meet with us and i said i feel good when i when i meet with y'all and they said do you know what that is and i and i said what and they said it's the spirit and so as you read the book of mormon as you pray as you attend church focusing on how you feel and recognizing that the spirit is confirming and testifying of truth, where where you're finding it, where you're being exposed to it, is so important for your spiritual journey and and the, the your journey of coming unto Christ. And uh, I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.
0: Amen. Well, everyone, we will be back next week, as always, unless. You know, we get COVID again or something. Who knows? But we'll be back next week, episode 134. My goodness. And I'm excited. So thank you for listening. And I just have to give a shout out since we've talked about her so much. My mom, Sarai Williams, we love you. And we're so happy that you listen to our podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own
1: life.